It's just that she was 14. I was like, hmm. So underneath the P, there was more shit to it. Yeah, but people focused on the P. They focused on the wrong thing. There was more to it. You should have known when there is P, there is fire. Yeah. <laughs> was that on purpose, like misdirection? Like, she's 14, it's not okay. But if I pee on her, no one's going to care that yeah. she's 14. Well, everyone's like, ah, Hollywood, Hollywood pedophiles, old hat. Peeing, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hey, folks, it's me, Robbie Goodwin, a guy you haven't heard of. But if you are like me, you like giving money to your favorite podcasts. And, you know, do you want more cool content? You got to go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. Yeah, that's right. Patreon.com slash southpawpod. I, I'm subscribing as soon as I get home. I'm going to friggin' subscribe. So go ahead. Please give us money. Give us money. Today, we have professional comedian Robbie Goodwin on the show. Hi, hi. How we doing? What's up? Nothing much. This is fun. What's interesting is that normally we pick a topic and then we ask somebody to be on the show. Somebody we think uh, might know about the subject. But today is the inverse where we got the guest and now we got to figure out what to talk about. Yeah, well, uh... I, I was I did have a day job until like the beginning of this month and uh, then I got fired, which is why I'm here. But I in my free time, I, you know, I used to when I was like in, in high school and like middle school, I would just be watching TV like just all the time because that's like all you can do. And I still do, although a lot of it's like online stuff, like just consuming through YouTube. Like it's, it almost feels like more work now to like watch a movie. Have you guys, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's like. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, you got to like sit down and like commit to something for two hours. You know, you only have so much free time or whatever. Yeah. Like watching that movie, A Quiet Place at Home. Yeah. You have to actually just sit there quietly to really absorb the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't (laughs) just listen to the dialogue because there's no dialogue. You have to like look at everything that's happening. I can't play on my phone. I can't do other stuff. I can't multitask. I love playing on my phone while watching a movie. That's the best. I like to meditate while doing some push-ups and other biohacks while I'm watching movies to really maximize my time. Yeah, so you're much more physical than me about it. <laughs> I, I just like to kind of like, oh, check Twitter, tweet about stuff. I do it however Tim Ferriss does it. Nice. <laughs> do you ever have a gauge on at what point do you bail on a movie? Like 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, you're like, oh, I don't man. know. This is yeah, it. usually I would say about 10 minutes most mostly, even if it's good. It, so much of it depends. I just watched this horrible movie, actually, but I watched the whole thing. Uh, have you seen bad times at the el royale was that bad i heard good things it was so bad the people who like it maybe you'll like it because some people do love it i thought it was really really bad give me a synopsis what's it about so it's about it's this great cast it's like jeff bridges and um john ham and uh all these all these great actors and they all come to a hotel to like 
and they're all not who they say they are, which sounds a lot like the hateful eight because yeah. it is, it's just the hateful eight, but it's worse. <laughs> it's, it's like a, so it's, it's like a Tarantino, like knockoff thing from like this. Uh, and look, it, everyone involved is super talented. I really like drew Goddard. He did that movie, the cabin in the woods and he used to direct love for lost, which is, which is a great show. But this movie was just like, I was like, God damn. It, it just reminded me, remember, remember all those like shitty Tarantino knockoffs? Like yeah. early? It was like, it was like that again. It was like, Oh, I thought we were done with this. <laughs> Is it a Netflix original movie or it's actually in the theater? No, it was in the theaters and it had to run. I don't think it made a lot of money, but it like people were like, this is the best movie of the year. Everyone's sleeping on it. You know, maybe even a Tarantino knockoff is enough to be impressive for a lot of people. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, oh, it's just as good. It's it's what people think Tarantino is it's like a shitload of gimmicks and like dumb stuff like that. Maybe it doesn't take much to please most people. Yeah. Yeah. So how does one become a comic? The thing is, it changes so quickly. You go to these things called open mics and you just keep doing it. And then you meet other comics and then you like interact with other comedians and stuff like that. And it's literally open for anybody. Like we could just go on there and they'll take us if we put our name in a hat or something. Yep, exactly. Yeah. L.A. is probably the worst city to start doing comedy. Interesting. So why is it the worst? Because uh, in a smaller city like San Francisco, where I, I started, there's more of a fun aspect to it. There's more people who are doing it just like in their off time or not as a hobby. So they watch and they laugh or something like that. It's less serious. It, it's less serious. And like there's something in L.A. just about there's an air of just like this is a serious comedy town. Yeah. They don't want people to have fun. Everyone's so jaded to everything entertainment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything entertainment. People are jaded. There's no everyone's like everyone treats it like a job in a weird way. And there's like so there's just. It's the li- it's the least ratio of fun to work. Whereas like even in New York, there's more of like, oh, we're we're all watching each other and there's a little bit of a fun element to it. How often do people bomb when they go on open mic because they think they're funny, but then they get in front of an audience and then everything just I'd drops. say 90% of the time, <laughs> 90% of the time. It's really hard to have a good open mic, like have a great open mic set because everyone's jaded in the crowd. The first mic I did, I did really well at. And then I and then I would bomb for a long time after that. But I did good at it because it was like in a smaller city, there's like big comedy clubs. They'll just have open mic night and then a bunch of people come out because it's like a free ticket, basically. And you'll be performing for like a real person. And it's your first time. And maybe you brought some friends and stuff like that. So so your first time in a lot of people's experience is really good. And then. Does it give them a false sense of security? Like, I'm really funny. Yeah. People call themselves comedians after doing it once or twice. I've been invited like that to open mics of a friend and I feel it's my obligation to laugh extra hard. Yeah. Then later I'm like, damn, I wonder if he thinks he was really that funny. I was just trying to support him. You're just trying to support him. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so much delusion in it. You know, like it's kind of a delusional thing to do in general. (laughs) So it's like. Can you make money in L.A. though as a comic or L.A. is more for making your name and then you got to go elsewhere to make money as a stand-up comic like doing shows getting paid for shows a hundred percent making your name even the famous people don't make a ton of money here like i mean and that's the thing it's like to work at the comedy clubs like the real comedy clubs you have to like like they give you like 15 bucks basically a spot and all those spots are reserved for people who've been on tv like I, like there's no way i'm getting booked to the comedy store because guys like joe rogan are also want that same exact spot and so there's more of a gatekeeping element to it. And in those spots, those most coveted spots pay $15 in LA. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's certain people like Kevin Smith, I know, like has a night at the improv and he like sells it out. And I'm sure he makes a ton of money off that or whatever. But that's kind of few and that's that's few and far between. You can actually make some money in Burbank probably. <laughs> but uh, but 
if there's even still money in stand-up comedy in in the LA area, you have to kind of go on the road a little better. But that's what you're kind of doing now as far as you're touring right now, right? You're going around to different cities and doing shows and Yeah, yeah. I'm um yeah, I'm doing a lot of shows, but there are, a lot of them are like uh, see that's the thing, the LA ones don't pay you at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to Austin, Texas soon, and they pay like per show like fifteen to thirty bucks a show or something like that. So, so still to build your name up. Yeah, it's so and just get better and have good stage time and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, build your name up. So when did comedy become married to podcasts? So part of this is yeah. while you're here in LA, you're doing a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, also. is that crazy? Um, I think it's because comics are just like kind of good talkers. I think it's like a weird thing where it's like co- comedians are like. In my experience, comedians are like really good at talking and into going into taboo areas and getting, you know, in. So I, I think podcasting was such a natural fit because it's like a medium where also comedians are like weird looking. And so like an audio medium is like perfect for them. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, look at all. I mean, all the first podcasts were all like comedy podcasts. Like now, like it's more like, you know, the top podcasts like, you know, Planet Money or NPR or like the New York Times and all that stuff. But I remember because I was I love I was like really intrigued by podcasts when I first listened to it. And it was like the first ones that really were huge were like the Adam Carolla show and like Mark Maron or whatever like that. And I, I think it's just because there's also been a long history of comedy on the radio, you know, like uh, Howard Stern, like was a comedy show, basically. And that's the biggest like radio thing ever. Right. And even before then, way back in the day, you had like that Dr. Demento. And yeah, shit like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can do voices and stuff on the radio, too. It's great. <laughs> What's interesting is that a lot of comedians in LA, I know them more as a podcaster yeah. than a comedian. Like a lot of people know certain names and they're like, that yeah. guy's a comedian yeah. because their star as a podcaster is greater than their star as a comedian. There's so many guys like that. Yeah. And then what's weird is then they book out or they have a big audience later on, but it's not really because of merit. It's because they're filling out with just their podcast listeners. Yeah. Or sometimes podcasts will do a live show at a comedy club and kind of book it out too. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, that's how it is. It's like the alt, like, I don't know a lot of people that have made have gotten a following just from doing stand up, like pure stand up. But I have a few friends that have like built up a following through their podcasts, and then they go out and then they like start to fill rooms. And it's like, you know, I just, I did this podcast called Mean Boys. And these are just comedians I know really well from open mics. And they've like, just started this podcast. And they've got like, a bunch of followers from it and they were like yeah then we scheduled a tour and people came out to see us and we were like whoa this is crazy whereas like i know all these really funny comics that if they toured no one would go to see them you know yeah it's it's interesting isn't there like kind of a universal topic that a lot of the comedy podcasts keep talking about yeah yeah free speech is like a daily topic on a lot of these things i yeah it, it's kind of funny because i'd say like a lot of because comedy most most comedians i know are like very are pretty liberal in general like they're like very like but but free speech seems to be lately like an issue where it's that's kind of like a divisive one even in the comedy community because a lot of comics are really liberal so they'll kind of go with the oh offensive stuff isn't funny but then like because the problem is there is like uh i don't want to step on any toes or whatever but like what a common thing a lot of comics will will complain about is the kind of cottage industry of finding like an offensive joke and like click getting clicks off it and stuff yeah. like that. So that's why a lot of comics like to talk about that. I think uh, is because it, it's, 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 a, it's a part of society that's moving with social media that like does directly impact comedians in a lot of ways. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of debate going on right now about like, you know, it's probably good for society, but is that bad for comedy? So that's like, 
probably why it's like a a big hop on issue. Speaking of controversy, what was your take on the whole Louis C.K. Parkland shooting joke? Oh, yeah. So my thing is, I feel like people got extra mad at that because they're just mad Louis is back. You know what I mean? Like that's like, but so that's an argument that's totally that feels like a that feels like a debate totally worth having and stuff like that. Well, what happened with it? Because was it like he was doing an actual show or it was like an open mic? He was just testing out material. He was, he was testing out material. And that was the that was that's where I was like, kind of I just like listen to a huge there's a huge debate. Actually, it's really interesting. Judd Apatow and Jim Norton got into a big fight on the radio about this. OK, well, what was the argument? Well, so Judd Apatow was saying like, it's not OK for Louis C.K. to like make fun of shooting survivors. And Jim Norton was like was basically like he's working out this is the same this is the same louis ck that's always been louis ck you're just now now you're acting like you know if if he had done this joke two years ago you would have said this is edgy and brilliant and now you're like this is this is this is wrong to say my take is i'm all for criticizing i mean i think it shouldn't be off limits to criticize a joke for sure I just don't like that 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 joke came about because someone snuck in a recorder into one of his shows where he didn't want any like anything leaked. And then they they recorded it. It went online and someone just isolated a two minute clip from out of context of the whole set. And then most people then consumed it through print. And I don't think comedy is meant to be consumed in print out of context from a comedy club is a lot of how it works is when you do something like that, like an open mic or you're testing out material. There's some stuff that you're pretty sure you're going to cut out, yes. but you just kind of throw it out there anyway, just to see how people react. Yeah. And then you, from the reaction, you're like, okay, I should cut this. That's the thing. It's like all these people are like criticizing and it's like the audience will tell you if it's bad or not. There's so many times, even at open mics, audiences full of comics who have heard everything. I think comedians who act like they've never said anything over the line or anything offensive ever at, at any point in their careers are lying who say that they're either lying or they're just really milk toast. I mean, everyone's the thing is when you get up and say shit into a, into a mic every single night, you're going to spew some bullshit. And you know, if someone like I've said heinous shit before and I've got, and people have gotten mad at me for saying that I've gotten the mic taken out of my hand. I'm not, and I don't try to be edgy at all. That's just kind of, I, I really don't. I'm like such a people pleaser. And that's just like how it is. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a bad, sometimes you're just a, it's sometimes it's a bad crowd. Sometimes you're just being a piece of shit. You know, it's like any job where you fail, but there's just more scrutiny on you because you're doing comedy. Yeah. If you compare it to fighters and let's say they're training and they're trying out certain moves and they're in a sparring mode. Yeah. You're going to go for something. and It doesn't work out well. But exactly. Sneaks in that footage and like, oh, this guy's getting owned. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, hey, man, I'm trying out new things. Yeah. If it's going to bomb, it happens from time to time. So you're saying it's like when Pauli Malinaji when that sparring clip with him and Connor got leaked and then everybody's judging him as a boxer. And he's like, no, you shouldn't use sparring footage to judge anybody. That's absolutely what I'm saying because the magic man is better than that. And if you got Connor and Polly in a boxing ring under boxing rules, I don't know how Connor walks out of that as a victor. So an open mic is kind of like a sparring session. Exactly. This sounds <laughs> like I'm I'm trying to draw the parallels here and I'm making them completely, you know? It's like Well, you already drew the parallel with MMA because Jim Norton also has a Oh an yeah. MMA oh, okay. Hell yeah. All right. I'm I'm on brand with the podcast. Well, here. that's the weird thing about podcasts. It is where MMA and comedy meet, right? Yeah. Like you were uh talking about other famous comedians who have podcasts, and a lot of them bring on MMA fighters. 
I think Joe Rogan kind of opened that whole way. Louis J. Gomez is a bit is an MMA guy. Yeah, or he likes yeah. UFC, I think, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I think there is a weird crossover audience. Yeah. It's just well, aggressive young men, <laughs> you know. From my observation, and maybe you could speak to this, just like in MMA, there's different styles of fighters. There must be different styles of comedy, right? Like you can't do an observational comedian like Seinfeld and categorize them as the same kind of comedian like Eric Andre or something. Oh, no. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the problem is it all kind of gets lumped into one. Like comedy is comedy. But what's kind of cool about comedy is like, yeah, that's what I like about it is you can just see completely diverse styles of comedy or kinds of people. And on a lineup, I think an ideal lineup, you have five completely different kinds of comedians. Whereas with like music, you either go see a rock band and you want to see more rock music or you want to go see hip hop and you want to see more hip hop music. Whereas like at a comedy show, like I was on a show last night and it was like there's like an Indian kid talking about beatboxing. There's a black guy talking about how he hated his wife and like, you know, just like (laughs) and then me, you know what I mean? And everyone had a good set. And it was like and that's what's kind of fun about it is like you can see a bunch of different. As long as you're funny, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? You just got to be funny. How would you categorize yourself for your own kind of comedy? Um, you know, I can't really pin myself down. That's probably why I'm not on TV yet. But I do like <laughs> a lot of impressions and voices and stuff like that. I heard somebody say about you, Robbie is more of an alt comic. Really? Yeah. Who said that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one's no, talking I, no, about I me. I hear it. But uh, I don't want to start any comedy beef. I know you guys get real territorial and it turns into like the mafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stab. I'm going to I'm going to whack him. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fucking whack him. <laughs> but is that a actual category of comedians? Alt comics? Yeah, that's a thing. I don't I wouldn't consider myself alt necessarily. So that's why I'm really interested to hear that. I mean, is that like more like an Eric Andre or Eric it- Andre is very alt. I think it. I think it's like it's kind of a, a, a group of people who do specific jokes or like very like specific stuff that maybe wouldn't work on on the road in some cases but would kill in like the back of a comic book shop or something like is it more absurdist and kind of unusual stuff yeah that's a big that could be a big part of it making a lot of i think maybe they said that because i make a lot of references in my set and whatever maybe you're too nerdy and they think anything nerdy is i think that's probably what it is yeah (laughs) i know i'm i'm not alt because that sounds cool i'm just a nerd (laughs) (laughs) So why I even bring that up is I have a pet theory about why there's so much talk about free speech and why a lot of these like comics get mad is because I think a lot of them are probably Gen X age and they're making all these observations. And I think part of it is like people don't want to get offended, but I think a lot of it is also like younger audiences. They don't want to hear the same old like 90s gen x dad jokes anymore about like oh that kind of guy dresses like this or whatever observation they have i think maybe younger people because they grew up on south park or like tim and eric or what's that rick and morty yeah yeah stuff like that they want comedy to be more unusual and so i think a lot of the older comics they they don't like that change so they need they need something to blame they're like oh it couldn't be that i'm out of touch yeah i'm no longer funny it's the kids. The kids are the problem. It's the children who are wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much of it do you think is that? That comedy is kind of going more in a bizarre, absurdist, more of a cartoon network way. Uh, I think definitely, I would say, I mean, like on the coasts, like New York and LA, that's the case. I think in the middle of the country, even with younger people, people love like regular shit. Like just the, because I when I tour like this, I'll go to crowds who don't, know who the fuck mark Wahlberg is you know what i mean i'll be like hey <laughs> here's my two minutes on mark Wahlberg," and they're like 
I'm just confused. And I, I feel bad. I feel like I'm not doing my job or whatever. But uh, in L.A. and New York, I think and and there, there's like a lot of Internet people like I think the shit that really plays on the Internet is like that more absurd kind of stuff, too. And I agree that I think that there are a lot of hacks and older people who or like just people who aren't funny, who blame it on PC or the crowd's too sensitive or whatever. But then there's also that I think I can there's also like I do this show. I do this roast battle thing and roast battles are just the most offensive like stuff but it's like a safe space for lack of a better word for like offensive jokes so but it's at this roast battle and we're at a club and this person's talking about me and they're making fun of me and they're like "Uh, robbie looks like pete davidson but it's the second worst thing to happen and then some girl's like no no that is fucked up she just starts heckling she goes that is fucked up you, you and they're like what? It's like you can't make fun of that guy Mac Miller. And then she's like, I wasn't gonna make a Mac Miller joke. <laughs> she got offended at something that this kind of comedian wasn't even gonna say. Who's Mac Miller? He was he was Ariana Grande's ex who died. Oh yeah, she has some train of thought that connected from there. Yeah, to Mac Miller exactly, and, and was predicting where you were or somebody was going exactly, and she vocalized that. So I think that's that's the other thing that I think people don't recognize is it is hecklers aren't a myth they exist and i think that visceral hatred of hecklers also makes comedians hate the offend people getting offended shit because it's usually a heckler will speak out if they're offended or they just want to talk it's odd that hecklers exist in comedy clubs because you won't see that or maybe you do in gyms where you see pro fighters train yeah and you think i could do that yeah, that doesn't yeah. look that hard yeah you wouldn't get away with it so why would you think as a heckler you can go, I guess, toe to toe, wit for wit with somebody that gets paid to do that for a living. Like this won't go well. They have a mic. You don't. Yeah. So the moment you say something, you've given them all the time in the world to respond. Yeah. Whereas with you, now you're on your toes. It's because when you watch a fighter, you could think they're going to they could kick my ass if I do anything. <laughs> Comedians all look like beta nerds. And so they're like, yeah, I could take them. <laughs> when you're going to see a show, a comedy show is like such a communal experience and kind of a part of when everyone's laughing you're like i could get in on this let me get in on this you know and that's like an urge a lot of people have like let me let me ooh, like oh that's a good one like me like me and my friends when i talk about this let me get in because you think the comic's your friend and you think that i think this is the nicest kind of heckler is just the guy who who thinks that he's a part of it and wants like you know like get in on the jokes with the with the comedian because he's enjoying it so much there's like a certain intimacy that's created and they feel like oh some hecklers are just like you know it's almost like in customer service you know you're just it's just a rude customer you know just a asshole taking taking shit away from you and then booze is a huge part of it because the liquor is flowing at these shows i wonder how much of comedy now is being shaped by the youtube algorithm yeah I said something earlier about the alternative, like absurd yeah. comic and YouTube will, you know, kind of vote that up and then comics will be like, oh, that plays well. Yeah, I'm going to do that style. But then what also does well is when you do like something where you're attacking social justice warriors and somebody will take just that part of your set yeah. and put it online yeah. and say this person owns libs or whatever. And that'll get a lot of hits. And then comics see that and they're like, oh, shit. And it kind of brainwashes them or like manipulates their mind to adjust their style right you know what to i mean do that kind of thing because instead of interacting with the audience and letting them yeah. dictate what their comedy style is yeah a lot of it i wonder is if it's social media like the facebook instagram algorithm right or the youtube google algorithm i think that's a, that's a good point i think that the whole youtube algorithm it is funny how it skews so right wing in a lot of ways um but i think a lot of comics are also on twitter where the where they just see people 
get fucking harangued for jokes and just or like you know we found your old tweets you're we're gonna get you fired so that that maybe the encouragement from youtube is balanced out by the extreme (laughs) fear created by twitter (laughs) but if you're only on one of them then you're just completely skewed you need youtube you need both you need balance yeah that's why i'm on every social media platform just to be a balanced digital citizen yeah i just get mad all the time (laughs) i'm just on all of them i just get mad i blame trump for the algorithm just because he was the first politician, I think, in the digital media age that was able to. And he still does it with his political rallies where he's always beta testing certain things. Yeah. Like he'll say something, doesn't get a reaction, say something else, doesn't get a reaction. And then he'll say, "Wow!" everyone starts cheering. It's like, all right, I got to hammer yeah. this home. And then people have just taken his 90 minutes yeah. of speeches and then they just condense it to five minutes. To where he's just c- crushing the whole time. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, OK. And then people like you mentioned, yeah. Sam. That algorithm is okay. Well, this works. This sells. Also, the right wing is, or you know, Fox News. If you look just the news stations, Fox News is the only one that is really good with how they use YouTube because they like right after Hannity's monologue, they like put the whole thing up on YouTube. Whereas, like, what other? Where's Jake Tapper's monologue? You know, where's fucking I don't know whoever, whoever else. But there's also a cottage industry of YouTubers who are more right wing, where as soon as you do a set or you're on a podcast, they will just cut that up. Yeah. Like within an hour after it's been released on YouTube. Yeah. And just find like three minutes of like lib smashing or whatever. And oh, they'll for post sure. Online, like so quickly. They're Bill Burr just- owns, you know, like whatever. Yeah. So that's the other thing is uh, these kind of cottage industry of just YouTubers who just make clips. Yeah. They're influencing yeah. these comics also and also influencing the YouTube algorithm. Yeah. There's no real left wing version of that. It, it is kind of interesting that these weird YouTubers have an outsized reach and they're almost like manipulating these bigger bigger comedians where they're just like some kid in their bedroom or whatever right but they could kind of in a weird way influence a comic they like because they just made a short clip of them saying something and then it gets 10 million views and that comic sees it and then they get invited to a bunch of podcasts to defend that short clip yeah this person made of you and then now you're like making your name off of that clip yeah, see, I see that much less than comics being brought down for being offensive on on for clips or whatever. You know, a lot. I, I think a lot of comics, if they're any good, don't want to be branded as like an anti SJW kind of. Because as I said, a lot of them are liberal. They're more classic. A lot of them are, are like classic classical liberals or whatever. But they're like they're still they don't want to like like there's this comic named Owen Benjamin who I think oh is God. exactly what what that is. But he's a fringe nutcase case. I think most comics. Like Bill Burr, it seems like has like mellowed out in the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like more comics seem to be going more left lately. Like Sarah Silverman used to be so much edgier and like uh, all of a sudden everybody's caring about the climate. Yeah, and and the world. Yeah. And uh, so then they so you're seeing I, I see a lot more comics changing their act to the left than going to the right. And but that's because we're skewed by the MMA world. The yeah. MMA world skews right. Yeah, so oh, yeah. they mostly share comedians that are like kind of skewing that. Yeah, way. you guys have got a little niche here, right? The left wing fighter guys. <laughs> we have a monopoly on all 50 people out there like <laughs> left wing politics and MMA. My so. new best friends. What's up, 50 listeners? How, how's it going? You're, I'm, I'll be your, I'm going to get an MMA right after this podcast. I'm going to be the other guy. <laughs> I'm going to divide your fan base. <laughs> oh, shit. It goes straight down to 25 <laughs> now. Now that I see that there's a market, here we go. <laughs> Because we were like, you know, do you want to be a small piece of a big market or do you want the 100 percent 
share yeah. of a very small market. This is the pot, but that's that's where podcasts, that's where it shines, you know? When even in comedy, they're like, if you want to write something specific, don't do it on stage at a live show. Film it, put it on YouTube, and they'll find your weird Game <laughs> of Thrones scene parody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that leads me to another question I had then. Because you consume a lot of media as far as like movies, TV shows, is that what a lot of your comedy is? You make fun of or make jokes about a movie yeah. or actors or TV shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more pop cultural references? I do a lot of pop cultural references, which can really backfire if they don't know what, the, what I'm talking about. And I, I'm not like trying to say that to be snobby. I'm like, whoa, this sucks. They have no idea who the fuck I'm talking about. Like... Like I do, I have a big Mark Wahlberg chunk right now about like how he like doesn't like change like in movies. He's just always Mark Wahlberg. Like I saw a movie where he played a Texan and he just didn't act. You know, he was just like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm from fucking Texas. Okay. Fucking born and raised. All right. <laughs> Can't spell Boston without Austin. huh? Donnie's out there eating clam chowder barbecue. Go coward socks, you know? So I'll do that. And if people know who Mark Wahlberg is, they like it. If I'm off my game, sometimes it'd be like, I've gotten this from a crowd a lot. What? <laughs> Someone will just say what? So there's places you've been where they didn't know who Mark Wahlberg was. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of big show, bigger shows. It's like regular people and open mics. I mean, uh, that's the problem with open mics. Is you're playing the comics all the time. So I start to tailor my set. Like I have a Mark Marin joke in my act. That's not going to work on a real show. <laughs> no one knows who the fuck Mark Marin is, you know? I'm curious as to see if comedians make better actors because recently you see in the daily show where yeah. almost all their correspondents have a background in stand-up yeah like roy wood trevor yeah, Noah. Yeah. but this is different from the previous generation of daily show correspondents like the john oliver improv Trump guys yeah. yeah i don't do improv and i really don't like watching it but <laughs> i think i think you should give i think acting jobs should be given improv guys more than stand-ups i'd say more often than not stand-ups are bad actors but but sometimes like but when a stand up is a great actor, they're fucking incredible. Like Robin Williams, Dave Chappelle, you know, there's a there's a lot of great examples. I like Bill Burr's acting. Oh, Where yeah. He knows he's a stand up guy and he's not a good actor. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't overdo it. Yeah. Like his acting in uh, Breaking Bad is very minimal. He's like, where's your meth? What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't overdo it. Not too many facial expressions. Almost a little bit robotic. Just a little bit of acting. That's it. He stays to his. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually talked about it in that when they asked him, oh, you're such a good actor. It's like, no, I just don't stray from who I am in real life. So it just seems more authentic. Yeah. Like when he plays that journalist in the Hugh Jackman movie, there's a scene that he talks about in Conan O'Brien where he chases down Hugh Jackman's character, who's a politician. And he turns around and he gets scared and then he drops his pen and notepad. And they're like, oh, that was brilliant acting you did is like no i just forgot hugh jackman's a fucking gigantic dude and i was like holy shit this is wolverine <laughs> and he gets scared and he drops it because that's just his authentic reaction it's like i'm not playing somebody i'm just this is bill burr just as a meth dealer. this yeah. is bill burr as a cop this yeah. is bill burr as a reporter yeah so he doesn't have to go that far in range yeah that's so many comics are like yeah like look at i mean he's not a stand-up look at seth rogan like he's just seth rogan in every movie right <laughs> do you ever get surprised when you make a reference, like, let's say you make a joke about Avengers Infinity War yeah. and like the audience hasn't seen it. Yeah. And then you make some reference to some Instagrammer and they get it. Like, have you seen where you're like, maybe society's flipping and like different things become pop culture and different things don't resonate as much as it used to? Yeah, I mean, that's so crowd dependent. Young high school age, like I used to do a show at UCLA and there's a bunch of young people and it was like, 
I'd be like, hey, OJ Simpson, huh? And they're like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and they'd be like, and then the girl came up after me and she's like, you fucking idiot. You didn't hear. Let me show you how to sound. She's like, Taylor Swift and Kanye. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, just, oh, I've missed the boat. But yeah, I would say there's a, a depressing thing is, is a lot of Vine stars get into comedy because they can sell out the shows. But Vine's not around anymore, right? Yeah, but they still have stars. And they're on TikTok now, yes. right? And they're and they also they're on Instagram. TikTok used to be musically or TikTok bought musically. And that's where all the Vine stars went. Vine went to musically. Uh, or Vine went to Instagram, those yeah, stars. Yeah. And then from there they went to musically. Yeah. And then musically got bought by TikTok. Yeah. And now TikTok's the thing. TikTok's the thing, but then you have the option, right, of reposting TikTok videos on Instagram these guys who've gotten who get online followings from vine basically they have shows at every club every major club has a vine star night and they sell out so much better than regular comedians who have worked their whole lives to do it there's a lot of comedians that i just became aware of through instagram yeah they do like little funny videos or they just post a meme that they made yeah <laughs> and then i wonder if they can go out and just book a big venue yeah they definitely could i know people who are big so many new comics they start and they get successful because their Twitter is popping and they have a great Twitter. And that's that's a big that's a big thing right now. There's a recent guy who got in trouble. No fat Jew. Fat Jewish. Oh, yeah. Well, that fat guy something. sucks. Yeah. Well, he's gotten in trouble a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Well, long time ago for plagiarism, right? He used to steal. He, other stole, he stole memes and didn't give him credit to get likes and stuff like that. Yeah. I used yeah. to work in social media and like that's such a note. Like it's uh, I mean, I can see why he did it. Like it's when you're like. When you're making money and it's such an easy way to get a lot of likes because because you, you thought a meme was funny and you don't have to credit them and you can just take everything for yourself. I mean, it's such a selfish act, but he's like Ebom's world personified as a person. Yeah, I was on Ebom's world. One of my one of my <laughs> videos got reposted a couple years ago, and they all hated me so much. They were just like, "Who's this fucking idiot? Fuck you!" you slurs, so many slurs. Just like they went on all of my. They hated me so much. They went to my YouTube channel and thumbs downed all of my videos. <laughs> Just because they dislike what you had to say so bad. They were mad that they were just mad that a comedian was trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> we take comedy very seriously. Yeah, as much. They're all like 4chan guys basically now. My name is Adam Sandler. Recently, I went to my mother and she said, Why don't you have a baby? Why don't you have a baby? And I said, Ma! Ma, I already have a baby! And she said, Stop yelling at me! So uh, I, I went to my wife. I call her uh, uh, Madam Sandler. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, she uh, said, uh, let's have a baby. So we had the first one like, tell And then she had the second one like, shabadoo. So I went up to my mother and I said, Ma, here's 
where's your baby? And she said, your brother just had a baby. I said, oh, my brother had a baby, huh? Okay, that's good. Well, I had a baby. That's really information that could have come to my attention yesterday. <laughs> so is there pressure now? Pressure for you to also be a social media star and now also make your own memes and shit? For sure. Yeah. I mean, you got it. You got it. It's kind of necessary. I'm, I'm trying, but I'm not very good at that. At Do you it. ever like tweet something or post something thinking, oh, somebody's going to screen grab this and turn this into a meme? Uh, you would hope so. That's that. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> you know, you've made it if somebody took a tweet you made and turned it into a meme. I mean, look, man, it used to be I want to get past the commie store. Me, Jerry Seinfeld. Now I just want to get memed, baby. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> Sam mentioned earlier about how people could take your clip and then misinterpret you. Yeah. And then that creates this level of infamy. But you could also be like a Jim Jeffries where his whole thing on guns that was part of his larger set. Yeah. Got dissected out and then that blew it him blew up. up. Yeah. 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 And that's great. It's funny. I'm wondering when the other shoe is going to drop on Jim Jeffries because there's so I think he's hilarious. I really like him. And also, there's so many old clips of him just saying the most heinous shit imaginable, <laughs> just yeah. uh, just going off on everything. Well, it's interesting that the fans themselves have forgotten that it was like 10 years ago or less, where a lot of these jokes, like homophobic jokes, they were probably always offensive, but they were mainstream not that long ago. No. So it's more like our tastes have changed. If you look up any comedian, you'll find that shit if they've been around long enough, because back then... That was mainstream comedy. Yeah. They weren't even trying to be shocked. No, they weren't trying at all. I mean, look at if you watch Mad TV, you will be I mean, it, it just blows you away. <laughs> like what it was like. This is a huge show, right? It's like their most famous characters like Stuart, the oh, yeah. like Stuart. And then all the other shows like racist, you know, or, all, all, you know, just like, I mean, it's still funny to me, but it's just like crazy. It's just crazy. It was on like Fox. I think that's my main thing with the old tweets thing. It's like, shouldn't we, we should realize we shouldn't just like have collective amnesia about how, how it was 10 years ago. And also if Kevin Hart made those jokes in 2009 and he changed, isn't that good? Isn't that what progress is like about, you know what I mean? Like, it, but he didn't say that, right? Like, and I don't know if this will even work, Yeah. but I, I keep wondering to myself when that happens to somebody, Yeah. what would happen if they just said, yeah. I said that, and I'm sorry, and I changed, man. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want me to change? Well, that's what Trevor Noah did when he first got the job for Daily Show. He just was like, I, I'm i a different comedian now than I was then. It was, I changed, and people still, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I thought his problem is he's not funny. That's why. Yeah, like I mean, that's a larger issue. But uh... <laughs> You guys don't think he's funny? His most recent one that he did for Netflix, Son of Patricia, is really good. Because the other two that he had on Netflix were just so-so. But his latest one was really good. I enjoyed it. I've heard it's good. I saw someone watching in the airport and laughing next to me. So I assume it's funny. If they try a comedy special 10 times, one of them will be good. Yeah. It's the old, uh, you know, it's that, that old theory. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the one. Yeah. To your point, And I don't even know what's right. Like, I'm not saying that people are being too sensitive. It's hard to say what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. The arc of history is going to bend a certain way. And we don't know how people are going to react to this even later down the line. But what is also true is 
I think about any old comedy movie. Yeah. And it would be hard to recommend any of them now. No. Even a comedy that was out five years ago. Yeah. I mean, The Hangover has, you know, I, I still think it's really funny, but it has jokes that would not fly today at all. I think we're in a transition period. And when we're on the other side of it, yeah. and people kind of figure it out then maybe you will have like a five-year window where people are like, this is acceptable comedy for right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is I just don't know what the rules are. You know, it's just kind of like, a, it's like the Wild West almost. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I think Trump didn't help with all this because it's like Trump is such a, I mean, he goes up, I mean, he's at these rallies, right? And he just says extremely offensive shit. So I think there's kind of knives out for saying offensive shit right now. And also people are living too damn long these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I mean is you have so many people who spent most of their life living before internet. Yeah. So you have a lot of minds that aren't ready for this technology. Yeah, for sure. And then you still have people who've only had it half their life and they're probably not ready either. Yeah. So probably the younger people are much more used to the free reign wild west of the internet. But even it's moving fast for me and I'm 27, you know, like suddenly, like every two years, it feels like there's a new thing I have to. I have to like learn like I didn't really know what non non-binary was till like 2015 and it's like super mainstream now. Right. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, I mean, things just move fast. It just accelerates the pace at which something becomes acceptable. And or not. even like socialism in 2015. Oh, yeah. It's like a dirty word. Remember? <laughs> remember Fox News? Obama could be a socialist. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez got elected yeah, <laughs> to Congress. Yeah. yeah. Especially for. I think elected officials, they're doubly fucked because not only are they old, but they're used to saying things where no one pays attention. Yeah. Someone like Steve King, oh, who boy. might be used to his base yeah. and saying things and then it flies and he doesn't realize that could get shared. Yeah. And not just within people you know, but throughout the world. Right. They're 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 used to old media. The worst is also old people trying to be young. Like yesterday, Chuck Schumer was like are you fellas going to retweet Cardi B or not? And I'm like, yeah. God damn it, Chuck. <laughs> it reminds me of that meme with Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Like, with yeah. Skateboard. It's, how do you do fellow kids? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm hip. I'm with it. I love Cardi B. <laughs> well, look how much changed in just that. Like when I think of an idea now, yeah. if it's been turned into a meme, I don't think of it as words anymore. Yeah. I remember that meme. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it becomes a, a quick shorthand for something. I wonder how much meme is influencing new comics, like some 16-year-old kid now yeah. when they're like 24 yeah. and they're starting to get some success. Yeah. How much their comedy was influenced by memes? By memes, a lot. So uh, ki kids like five or six years younger than me even love memes. Like memes are everything. And I love, I like, I like a good meme too, but like to them... It's just like memes, memes, memes. It's you know, there's professional memers, right? Oh, for Where sure. Where they make a living just making memes. Like oh, yeah, because they make money because they have a ton of followers. They make money off of it. I have a few friends who do that, actually. And it's like interesting. But they already have such a big fan base from their memes. From their memes. Yeah. That they'll probably do better than somebody who's been doing comedy a lot longer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They're learning how to meme. It's like the baby with the iPad. You know, it freaks you out. <laughs> But how well those memes translate to actual jokes with words and facial expressions? Almost know. not at all. <laughs> so outside of your comedy, you're also a big pop cultural nerd. Yeah. You would say, right? Yeah, for would sure. You say you're an expert. I, I, I put myself toe to toe with a lot of people. Yeah. I won a Simpsons trivia contest when I was in sixth grade. So like, would you say you're at like a warrior level or like a paladin level or like a mage? I'm a mage for sure. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. 
like plus 100 pop cultural reference. Yeah, I'm plus 100. So would you say you're like a black belt or like a second degree black belt? Oh, I'm not quite a, maybe a brown belt. Oh, you actually knew what belt was below black. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That actually proves his pop cultural reference knowledge. Yeah, man. And I took karate when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> they should have rankings for comedy like that with belts. How insulting would that be? <laughs> oh, my God. People get so mad. I would love that, though. I would love to give an open <laughs> mic or a white belt. <laughs> like, imagine if comedy had like ranking systems like boxing oh. where you're like ranked against everybody else people get so pissed people get so pissed because comics are all sensible babies and so <laughs> myself included so if someone gave me like an orange belt i'd be like fuck you dude <laughs> fuck off what's the citrus belt bullshit <laughs> i'm a fucking black belt dude or there can be a cottage industry where every time you go up there and they put a stripe on your orange belt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like there's like a cottage industry of photographers who will like take a picture of you and your your comedy sensei yeah. who's like awarding you the stripe and they take a picture and put it on a plaque and they sell it to you for 50 yeah, bucks. Yeah, for sure. That would be hard to work just because there's so many different styles of comedians. You have like the Anthony Jeselnik that's super dark and then yeah. the Mitch Hedberg where he just does one-liners and he doesn't even look at you. And then you have Patrice O'Neill where a lot of other comedians like him, but yeah. sometimes he doesn't find as much mainstream appeal. So yeah. how would that ranking work for comedians? Is there a set standard? Do you have to hit X amount of laughs? How would that work? No, they could do it like fight metric in uh, MMA. Like they count how many strikes land in a minute. Oh, there you so go. How many jokes per minute. But then it will be fucked up because people like Bob Saget. Yeah. He does a joke every 10 seconds. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be like the pound yeah. for pound best yeah. comedian in the world. And I don't want Bob Saget to be my sensei. <laughs> when I talked to you before and you said you like nerd shit. Yeah. And then I automatically went to thinking, oh, you know about, I don't know, comic books or like. No, I'm not really into like. uh there's kind of a different kinds of nerds, especially like there's like there's definitely like I think the what everyone thinks of when they think of nerd is like Star Wars and comic books and Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. right? Lord of the Rings. None of that stuff really resonates with me. <laughs> you don't have any Dungeons and Dragons jokes. No. Should I get some? Like you have to make a joke about wilderness lore or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, as a mage, maybe I should. Uh, <laughs> maybe now I can uh, make some. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I've never I've never played. What? No, I've never played. I've never gone to the dungeon. That's the one you... <laughs> Very disappointing. I'm sorry. So then you're, you're more about like movies and movies TV and shows. TVs and books and politics. Yeah. Wait, how can you be a pop culture nerd about books? Oh, I like to read a lot. So I know a lot of like weird authors and stuff like that. Can you make comedy out of that? Like literally? Oh no, jokes? nobody reads books. <laughs> Nobody fucking reads books. No Great Gatsby jokes. That's not. You could do a Great Gatsby. You could do the high school, the greatest hits in high school. You could be like, hey, look at this uh, all quiet on the Western front. Look at motherfucker. Don't they have open mics at libraries now? I've been to one. So that could be a literary crowd, right? Maybe. (laughs) So what are your top impressions that kill when you do stand up? Uh, Adam Sandler is my uh, that's one everyone loves. It's like I I do an impression. He was in a 9-11 movie. I don't know if you guys I haven't seen rain it. Rain on me. Yeah, rain over me. I haven't seen it, but uh, I, I do an impression of like what I think it is. And it's just like. Hi, my name is Adam Sandler. And I think 9-11 was an inside job. 
is the key to that joke that you can never watch that movie because yeah, once you watch it, it the it funny all- part is my stupid ignorance <laughs> i do oj simpson borat <laughs> oj simpson borat who did you kill my wife is that it? Is that, it. That, that was the beginning and the end. That was yeah. short and sweet. I could do a little Aziz. Oh no! <laughs> like literally a little. A little, like a little, yeah. s- a little sprinkling. Okay. I'm Aziz. <laughs> no, you could totally be a comedian. Talk about books. Look at all the Harry Potter references you could get away with. Harry Potter doesn't count. That's not everyone knows Harry Potter. It's still those a are, book. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and once you understand books, you can also figure out. Well, this might turn into a movie or a TV series. That's true. Look at yeah. all those Divergent movies. As well as. No, but Harry Potter is an interesting segue back to what we were talking about earlier with memes. Because there's like a whole meme hashtag about Harry Potter where the joke is read another fucking book. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But it's also like literally for a lot of people, that was the last book they read. I talked to a lot of adults. Yeah. And I talked to them about, well, hey, what was the last good book you read? And they think about it. And it was like 10 years ago. And it was the Harry Potter. Potter. Well, because they were. it was in the zeitgeist. They're really fun to read and they're addictive. So that's like why everyone's read those. But there was no crossover where it's like, I read this book. I'm going to read more books. Now. No. Yeah. People begin and end at Harry Potter. It's kind of like Star Wars. Yeah. Why is it like Star Wars? Because <laughs> it seems nerdy, but it's extremely mainstream. And there's maybe a niche of people that go off and like go into Star Trek and other sci-fi and stuff like that. But most people have just seen Star Wars. That is true where people bring up Star Wars like they have knowledge of Star Wars and they use it as street cred. See, I know about nerd shit. I I know know about about Star Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, no, but everyone's seen Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Star Wars. Oh, you've seen the biggest movie ever made. Congrats. (laughs) Yeah, you're a real internet otaku. Exactly. Yeah, you're a black belt. (laughs) So... Earlier, you did that Mark Wahlberg impersonation. And yeah. I feel like there's one movie he gets shit on a lot, which is The oh Happening. God. Oh, God. I love no, it. No, but that movie has aged well over time. I love it's The Happening. It's actually a good movie. It's great, dude. It happened. Like, now, right? The Snappening. Oh, yeah. Or whenever Trump does something, people are like, it's The Happening. Yeah. Why is it happening? We don't know. It's just happening. Yeah. I think the problem stemmed with just casting Mark Wahlberg as a teacher. You know, just like, yeah, I got my degree. I'm a, I'm a fucking PhD, okay? You you kids better learn up, all right? I've got all the knowledge. Okay, that was a weakness. But, <laughs> but why he was perfect for that is they needed the lead to be confused at all times. Yeah, he's all like, what? No. Well, yeah. Why? Why? Right? Like the whole thing, nobody knows why any of this is happening. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah. I love when he tries to negotiate with a plant. <laughs> We're not here to hurt you. <laughs> We're not here to hurt you, you plant. I'll water you. <laughs> I think that's why the real twist on M. Night Movies is like a meta long con twist where yeah. he put that movie out there and then the real twist ending was years later. You're like, it oh, happen. it's topical. Yeah. Remember that Black Mirror? This is kind of a diversion. But remember that Black Mirror? Do you guys watch Black Mirror? That show Black Mirror? Yeah, I've seen some of it. Well, there's one. It was like the most hated episode for a while. It was just about like this like cartoon South Parky kind of uh character running for president and winning and i was like this was stupid and then it's exactly it it's like it literally it's amazing it was made before the trump thing because it's just mirrors exactly what happened also it wasn't post-trump it was before it was way before trump it was before trump even announced he was running why do you have an affinity for horror movies out of all movies i love a good horror movie there's a lot of shitty ones so i'm not i'm not kind of a horror movie guy that'll watch any horror movie but when it's a good horror movie i think it's really like i i really love it because they're dark i like dark movies and i like 
and they're kind of it kind of is it's it's kind of like weird blood cousins with comedy because it's also a genre that doesn't get any respect and it also is just made to provoke a visceral emotion out of you rather than like you know what i find interesting about horror is that like comedy we just use a broad term right like we don't just say i like music yeah you say the specific kind of music you like right yeah but with comedy or horror you just use that blanket term right yeah Mm mm-hmm the thing is, uh, I used to work for this horror streaming service. And, okay. um, Wait, there's a horror streaming service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For just horror movies? Just horror movie fans. And they love it. I mean, they go, it's like a relatively niche, but like very dedicated fan base, you know? And horror movie fans will watch anything. Yeah. Anything horror, they can't get enough of it. And that's what's kind of interesting. Like low budget, $50,000 movie, like with no name actors, they'll consume it if there's like an interesting enough idea behind it. They're like, okay, all right, a haunted house, but it's all Smurfs. You know, like YouTube commenters, or we were talking earlier about Twitter, a lot of social media people who leave messages, they're not actual influencers, but they're just people who like to chime in. So much of it is just mean spirited yeah. or, you know, just nasty, right? Yeah. But there's a certain charity with horror fans. Yeah. Like you could do the shittiest low budget movie where every effect is so obvious. Yeah. And then you look at the comments and like people are so charitable people to this movie. People fucking love it. Yeah. yeah. I used to do social media for that site and that was exactly what it was. They're the nicest people. They're like, you know what? You tried hard. I get the concept. I'm going to judge you on your concept. I, I, I'm actually, I actually think the horror movie community on Twitter is like, it's nice that there's a, a group of people that positive and that just excited to see stuff. Isn't that ironic that comedy fans are the mean, mean, like dark, yeah, <laughs> serious people and the horror fans are the lighthearted ones yeah, who the, like are charitable. They're goofy, they're lighthearted and they support everybody. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought about that. But a lot of comedy people, they kind of have dark souls. Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. <laughs> yeah. You don't like horror, right? I don't like horror as a genre. Why don't you like horror? I'm a pussy. I'm a pussy too. <laughs> I think on Facebook, you wrote that you initially liked... Sorry to bother you. Yeah, sorry to bother you. And then you didn't like it later. Yeah, I really liked it in the moment. I thought it was fun. I thought there was a lot of fun to be had. And it was like kind of a cool roller coaster. But then it just like didn't hold up to me when I like rethought about it. I thought it like escalated in a weird way a little bit too quickly and there was like some weird character moments like there's some care like uh i thought the characters weren't fully fleshed out they're all just kind of like archetypes which i guess it's like kind of comedic so it gets away with that and there's also some like weird just amateurish filmmaking in it like it was like i like that part yeah there's a charm to it but then there's also times i was like is this like a film school like thesis kind of thing and it was also like it had some cool ideas but i think it it didn't merge its ideas with a good movie at times. Like it would just kind of like preach its ideas a little bit without like seamlessly. I like when a, a movie just makes you think not because they're telling you what to think, but because they like seamlessly integrate it. Like there's a lot of great movies about like the horrors of capitalism that don't like, like what fucking, I can't think of anything off my head, but like fight club or something. Yeah. Or... Like fight club. That's a good one. But, um, office space office space is actually the perfect one i think that's a great that one's a perfect sat that that that's like a perfect satire in my mind i feel like office space and fight club is the same movie except it's two different visions of the same movie i think the difference is fight club felt a little bit more adolescent fantasy and office space felt like it it, it was more lived in uh it was it was from the perspective of a guy who worked a lot of shitty jobs and just was like 
parodying a sh- the shitty job. My least favorite part of Office Space is that last act where they try and like bring down the whole thing, man, or whatever. My favorite part is just the opening hour where they're just going through all these like crazy like like people everyone's worked with, just like annoying passive aggressive bosses who yeah. we both hate each other and like annoying coworkers, and you just feel dead inside. That 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 part. Even before I had a job, I watched that and I was like, this is really just getting to the bottom of why this shit just sucks. American Psycho is another good movie that makes a statement about capitalism. American Psycho is one of my favorite movies. That, yeah. that's, I've, I love that movie. Wolf of Wall Street's a good one, too. It, make, it goes after capitalism. I get creeped out by people who think of American Psycho, Christian Bale's character, as like some kind of hero. It, it, that happens with every movie featuring a, uh, an anti-hero. Yeah. People like my favorite shows is Sopranos, and uh, people think Tony. There's people who just take Tony at face value, like this guy's a fucking badass, you know. Yeah. And it's like if you watch the show, he does such horrifying behavior. I don't know how you could think that. Goodfellas, another one of my favorite movies. There's yeah. people love it for the like these guys are fucking sick and they're funny, you know. And yeah. it's like they're all sociopaths. There's not yeah. a single redeemable character in Goodfellas, and that's why it's a great movie. Well, going back to Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street yeah. also and uh, American Psycho, yeah. right? These were all anti-capitalist movies. Yeah. Yet people were like, what are you talking about, man? Those movies were all pro-capitalism. And yeah. it's like, if a sociopath to you yeah. is- It's cool. Is cool and yeah. kind of a hero yeah. and a, a hero for capitalism. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's Trump, right? He's yeah. such a horrible person, but people just like, people like him because they want to vicariously live through him. Anytime you depict an, uh, anytime you depict a nice lifestyle and someone just getting ahead, if they were like a loser or dysfunctional, you know, no one wants to see a movie where a guy works really hard and is a good guy and he makes it and he's successful. No one wants to see that. People love to see a flawed piece of shit like, like them yeah. <laughs> just get rich and be a fucking shithead all the time because, you know. You relate to that weirdly. You know, when you mentioned Wall Street, I think of that Gordon Gecko speech, the greed is good. Yeah. And how certain companies took that clip and they said, like, see? It's like you do realize yeah. Michael Douglas was satirizing the whole industry, but they took it at yeah. gospel. Same thing with Alec Baldwin's speech in Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah. That's another great movie that I love. That's one of my favorites. No, he's like the world's biggest asshole. Yeah, and then they say Oh, see, this is the sales mentality. Yeah. And Alec Baldwin was horrified at that. He said, no, that's the wrong message to take from. Yeah. I went to go see a screening at Paramount and the head of it was like, hey, guys, let's. Oh, he took a scene from Pain and Gain. Yeah. (laughs) And is like, this is what we got to (laughs) do. And it's like, these characters go to jail at the end. Yeah. Well, Pain and Gain and Wolf of Wall Street, I felt like were the same movie. Even the way they did the cinematography where it looked kind of golden hue. Yeah. You know, Wolf of Wall Street starts with like a helicopter crash. The other yeah. one starts with a car crash. And then it's all told like from. There was a lot of tense. Wolf of Wall Street imitators after that came out, I feel like. But I think Pain and Gain came out first. Yeah, it did. <laughs> you look at the point where Wolf of Wall Street was made and where we were in history. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it was still kind of like leftovers from 80s, like pro-capitalism. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Love Gordon Gecko and these kind of characters. Right? Yeah. Like Boiler Room. That was yeah. a movie. About these other movies, right? right? Yeah. And then from there... Boiler Room is about the same company, by the way. What? Uh, In Wolf of Wall Street. Isn't that interesting? Always inspired by the same story? Yeah. But in Boiler Room, they even talked about Wall Street and they talked about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and how inspired they were by these terrible people. Yeah. 
And so we were like still kind of there. And then all of a sudden Bernie Sanders showed up and yeah. then we went hard economic left. Yeah. Right? And I would even say a lot of economic left people, I would separate them from like social justice neoliberals. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of leftists are also very much about social justice or they see it as yeah. a huge feature of economic left. Yeah. Well, they, they, they. I think what is more appealing is that they, they're more about getting like the roots of the issues, like systemic injustice, more so than like just scolding people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's that might be the difference. I don't know. I'm not really an expert. <laughs> can you make funny anti-capitalist jokes that they don't do well? I just don't think. I think you can. I think you totally can. Do you put any of that in your jokes? I or is don't. It mostly Mark Wahlberg. Oh jokes? yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I don't really get pre. I don't really talk politics. I mean, I, I go. I talk about politics, but it's all silly. I think those those Chapo guys to, are, are pre, can be pretty funny. I thought you were more political when you were in L.A., right? You were making Ron Paul jokes. Oh yeah, that which was, is very very like inside baseball. I do do. I mean, I do that, but I don't really have a point of view. I just kind of like thought. I mean, my joke was he just seems like a prospector. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I, I didn't like. This, I have no criticism of, even though I didn't like him. I, I wasn't gonna be like, here's the thing, folks. Ron Paul's solutions wouldn't work because it's isolationist, and that doesn't translate to a greater blah blah blah. I was just like, no, yeah, he seems like he's like looking for goals all the time. <laughs> you well, know? He's such a niche guy. Like, did people even know who you were talking about? They, I mean, in the yeah, the, in the moment, he was more in the zeitgeist at the time. Okay. Uh, when I made that joke, that was like back in like 2010 or 11. Yeah. And he was more of a guy. And it was also in San Francisco where they're they're very, very politically aware. You could almost make a bet that you might have been the only guy making Ron Paul jokes. Yeah. And they all found me and downvoted all my videos. Just like, <laughs> just like E-Bomb's world. Yeah. Because you were being anti-gold. It was all these weird gold bugs. Yeah. And Ron Paul got, it got posted on the Ron Paul subreddit. And they're like, get him, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it is like this weird thing where the Ron Paul guys, they love talking about gold, too. Yeah. That's like their big Do they thing. still exist? Yeah. Are they still Ron Paul guys? Yeah. Yeah, they just migrate over to Rand Paul when he's done, I guess. <laughs> I guess Well, so. they're not the same. I, I would say Ron Paul fans are Ron Paul fans. Yeah. And Rand Paul fans are Rand Paul, Rand Paul fans. fans. They don't even like have that much of a crossover. Because Ron Paul is really nutty with his ideas. He's like, he's hardliner. I remember he's hardline, like hard libertarianism. Like, yeah. he was like, cut off trade with the world. Cut yeah. off, you know. Have complete sovereignty in your business. Yeah. If you want to be, you know, discriminatory, that's your progress. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there was like a thing of like, I don't know why he was so popular. I really think it was just because he was like, I want to make weed legal. Yeah. That was it. That was yeah. It. Yeah. Every pothead I knew, they were all like, have you heard of this Ron Paul guy? Yeah. They all liked him because he, he would make weed legal. What was weird is that back in the old days, especially like I grew up in Oregon for a little bit, all the potheads were like lefty hippies. Yeah. But now I feel like potheads were yeah. like a little bit older than us. Yeah. They're all like libertarian potheads. I think so too. I don't know where the hippies, maybe they just aged out. Yeah. I think the hippies aged out of being in the drug. I mean, all hippies now are just like boomers. They're just yeah. like, I don't know what happened. I think the, hip, the hippie movie is dead. Cause then weed got really mainstream, and then now it's just like older. I mean, my I, I think like our parents, my parents' generation smokes. I think like it's yeah. nothing. I can't believe all the legal weed here, all the billboards for it. I can't believe it. Why can't you believe it? Because I it was always so sketchy in my whole life. I'm sure it's still fucking sketchy as fuck. No, you just walk into a store now, and you just buy it. My grandma bought me weed. <laughs> <laughs> The sketch factor, I think, is that they still can't open bank accounts. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why you need the federal government yeah. because banks are overseen by the federal government, not oh, local okay. municipality. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of cash handling. And I think 
because there's so much cash involved, yeah. maybe the original movers in weed were people who might be, you know, involved in some sketchy shit anyway, because they were moving around so much cash. Yeah. But now you have those online banks that people set up. You don't have to go into a brick and mortar shop. So I think a lot of them are getting away with that. Yeah. Those online like alley banks and they're like, mm, okay, just open up an online account. Here's your card. And then you're in business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I don't think that's how it works. I don't know anything about any of this. I don't know. <laughs> are you working on a movie? Isn't that what you're supposed to do when you're a comedian? Yeah, I would need an agent and manager first. No, no. I mean like writing a movie. Oh, I should write something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you make a Jordan Peele and make a horror movie? Because he Ooh, went from comedy to horror. I could never make a. I think I think a reason I like horror movies is I just know I could never make one. Why? I could make a. I could make a comedy movie. I don't know where that comes from. Just like that, your mind's figuring out how to scare somebody. Uh, I, I don't know how to. Do, I don't know how to do that. Your mind more things about how to make them laugh. I've definitely made people scream. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I made people want to leave. I could do Family Guy impressions. <laughs> if you want to end on a really corny note, no. What, what kind of impression? I don't know, Sham. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Peter. Did I already do this? What if Chuck Schumer did Amy Schumer's act? No. What? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. President, shut down my vagina. <laughs> I have a huge vagina and I drink a lot of wine. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what Chuck Schumer sounds like, but if I envisioned him yeah. in my mind... That's probably he's, what he yeah. would sound like. You get four Pinocchios <laughs> up my ass. <laughs> because I've only seen his picture online. So that's the voice I imagine anyway. Yeah. Like I had like an imaginary voice in my mind and that yeah. was it. That's probably sometimes how like weird references can still work if people are not familiar with it enough, but they had imagined it to be a certain yeah. way in their mind. And then if you nail it, yeah, they're like, oh, okay. I'm also not very good at getting accuracy. I'm, I'm mostly good at getting cadence and character, which is like, like Dana Carvey when he did, when he did it, he wouldn't, not that I'm as good as Dana Carvey, but he would kind of just get the vibe. Like George H.W. Bush didn't sound like his George H.W. Bush, you know, uh -huh. like the not gonna do it wouldn't be prudent, like that thing. George W. H. W. Bush never said that. He never said, not going to do it. Well, how about this? Why don't I try and do an impression of all the presidents <laughs> of, all, of all of them? Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Give me a topic. First of all, you know, any topic? Let's do uh, the wall. Look, I love the wall. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Let me tell you. I hate it. <laughs> you know, uh, thing about the wall, the only wall I like is the wall Michelle puts up when I'm trying to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, give me a wall of cocaine, I'll sniff it up. <laughs> I, I love walls. Let me hit them back walls. <laughs> Who's before that? Fuck. Oh, I, I think I'm going to get in the bed. <laughs> I'm now and there's four walls around me because I just died. <laughs> uh, um, uh, well, Tear down that wall, Will. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and who's before that? Jimmy Carter. Oh, wow. Wow. In my heart. I can't do Jimmy Carter. <laughs> that was President Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> oh, Gladys. I'm a peanut farmer. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Uh, I am not a wall. <laughs> Well, it's me, LBJ. <laughs> hey, Ray, I got shot in the head. <laughs> That's as far back as I can go, I think. Yeah, who was before 
Kennedy. Was it Eisenhower? Eisenhower, yeah. He was just kind of boring. You could probably just make up a voice and people yeah. wouldn't even know. The military industrial complex should not stand. I think that's what he sounded like. I'm pretty sure that's what he sounded like. Maybe not. The way you imagine him in, yeah, head, yeah. in the memes. Yeah, like you yeah. see the meme about the industrial military complex. Yeah. And the voice you have sounds yeah. like that. Yeah. I've only seen him in this movie called... Um, fuck was it called it was a it was a eugene jarecki movie it was really good uh or andrew jarecki movie fuck what was it called why we fight great documentary oh wow you it's really, really are good. a movie nerd yeah it's really really good i check it out so it's like an old documentary about war it's from the mid-aughts but it's about the military industrial complex and how we make money when we fight and wars are continued to like fuel this industry basically oh man yeah it's really interesting it's, it's good it's really really good now we're ending on a down note yeah Military industrial complex killing people for money. Yeah, it happens. Hey, but you know, it's like MMA. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you should end your sets. Yeah. If a joke bombs, you just say, hey. Yeah. Well, it's like MMA. Yeah, there you go. And good night, everybody. And just leave it at that. And it's just all your podcast fans and they're like yeah. standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't want to explain the joke. No. You don't want to explain what comedy is. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. All right, Robbie. So how can people find you? I'm actually, I, as much as I defend offensive comedy, I'm really not that offensive. So at Robbie Goodwin on Twitter and Instagram, watch, watch just tomorrow. All my <laughs> Robbie Goodwin's racist tweet resurfaces, <laughs> uh, Robbie and, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The King of Burbank. King of Burbank. I used to be the Duke of Glendale. <laughs> my favorite candidate is Ron Paul. Oh, that guy is awesome. Yeah. All my friends, you know, it's like, cause he's into like all these bizarre ideas like uh getting back to the gold standard and like isolationism my friends are always like you know what that says it says that he's a new candidate with new ideas and i say no you know what that means it means he's an 18th century prospector who time warped his way into modern american politics found a suit and wandered into the debate Cause that's what it seems like every single time I want, like, you know, like every single time, like it'll be like at any debate, you know, it'll be like, all right, so uh, candidate number one, what do you think we should do to fix the economy? Well, I don't think we should raise the debt ceiling, blah, 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 blah. All right. Uh, candidate number two, what do you think? Well, I don't think we should raise taxes. All right. Fucking Ron Paul. What do you think? <laughs> I think we should all go to the creek and pan for gold. <laughs> If we catch a salmon, that's a surplus. 